Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Mesmerizing in its imagery and shot in 51 locations across the country, Ascension is a cinematic exploration of China's industrial supply chain that reveals the country's growing class divide through the staggering observations of labor, consumerism, and wealth. And this film is just so um, remarkable in the sense of it gives you an opportunity to observe what is happening in China and how it plays out. And we spend enough time in each of these scenarios where we get a sense of the world in which the Chinese people are living now. And it's a, just a wonderful documentary film. It's called Ascension. We're joined today by the director, Jessica Kingdon, as well as the producer, Kira Simon Kennedy, to both of you, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you, great to be here. At what point after making the short film and your conversations with Kira, did you make the decision that this needs to be a, a feature length documentary and kind of what goes into the planning, kind of the logistics of once you make a commitment to doing something like that? Originally was a trilogy related to the cycle of production, consumption and waste. And my interest in it was more ecologically driven initially, interested in pollution and the climate crisis, looking at the flow of material goods related to China and the rest of the world. As we started pitching it as a trilogy, we pitched it in 2017 at IFP Film Week um, as, a, as a series. And one person who we were pitching to said to us, why isn't this a feature? Because there's so many ideas in here. And I realized that it, I did want to do a feature all along, but I just didn't, I haven't seen many features that are made in this kind of vignette style without a central character, without a central story that we're following. And I guess I just didn't have the courage to really call it a feature until that moment. So after that one person said, why isn't it a feature? We were like, yeah, that's, let's, let's just go for it and try to do that. So we sort of repackaged it and Strangely enough, it was actually easier to get funding for it as a feature rather than a series, because I think in this in the series space, people are looking for more commercially viable work. Not that what we made wasn't commercially viable after all. People are less familiar with more avant-garde or experimental work in the series space. So it, it was easier to, you know, to fund as a feature because people could sort of understand it as an art film. And it was actually what I wanted to do anyway. So once we got, we got the initial funding, seed funding from our sales agent, Visit Films, and we were able to go on an initial shoot in China, kind of an exploratory shoot, gathering some footage to make a media sample. I think it was after that first shoot that I started to realize that instead of the ecological angle that I had initially pitched it as, it would be a more interesting and more human story to look at this new aspirational culture happening in China that's also a mirror of Western capitalism, but in a different context. So we ended up splitting the shoots into four trips. And in between each trip, we would come back and edit the footage and use that to further our 
our pitch, our, our grant package materials. So, you know, the media sample and how we were even talking about the film. The shooting and our conception of the film were sort of happening simultaneously, if that makes sense. Yeah. And the film is framed by um, an interesting, two different interesting perspectives on China. And they come from a very special place in your own family. The the film opens and closes. Talk a little bit about, uh, Kira mentioned uh, some of this in in her uh, response, but it is a fast, both of these comments, the opening and closing, say an awful lot about the arc of the film. Yeah, it's funny because the poem actually didn't come until the very end. The poem, we didn't think about including the poem until after we started shooting everything, actually. Uh, Until after we finished shooting everything. Because um, on the last trip that I took to China, we went to, we were shooting in an air conditioning factory in a city called Changsha, which is... um, I found out that's where my grandfather is from. Cause I mentioned to my mom that I was going there and she was like, Oh, you know, your grandfather's from there. And I was like, Oh, I had no idea on my mom's side of the family. My grandparents, they don't talk that much about the past because of their, there's so much trauma and war in, in the history that a lot of people who have immigrated um, outside that they, they don't talk about the past. So I didn't know that he was from Changsha until I told my mom that I was going there. Then Kira happened to know a historian who lives there. And she said, oh, maybe he can help um, trace down, track down your relatives, um, which seemed like a long shot. But as it turns out, my great grandfather was a famous poet in Hunan, and which is where Changsha is. And um, so she connected me with this scholar and he was able to find living relatives in that city. So when I went within like, half a day's notice, like five people showed up from a few hours outside of the city with a book of poems that my great grandfather had written that was preserved in some cultural museum. And they they brought the book so I could look at it. Yeah, it was really moving. We We ended up having, we translated it, a few of the poems, and one of them is called Ascension. And when we were trying to think, we were brainstorming titles and none of the titles were quite landing right. And this was after we had finished a fine cut of the movie or maybe like picture lock. I can't even remember, but it was towards the very end. And we read this poem, Ascension. And even though the context is completely different, it's hundred, almost over a hundred years later, a lot of the themes related to the paradox of progress echoed one another. So we thought it, made sense to to use this poem as the title of the film and to use it as a framing device. I want to remind our listeners we're speaking with the director Jessica Kingdon as well as the producer Kira Simon Kennedy of the documentary film Ascension and it will be opening at the Lemley Monica as well as the Lemley Playhouse this Friday, October 8th. You should be looking for this. It is an immersive experience and uh, Kira, I, just in in terms of your expectations of where you were going to be going into China, getting to these different places, the scale that we're talking about of production or whatever it is and whatever we see in the film, it gives you a sense of just how immense China is in terms of its place in the world. 
Was there anything that jumped out at you in terms of that as far as uh, your expectations and were they exceeded or, or how, how did they, how did it play out as you're, as you're going around this country that's in the midst of a, an incredible uh, transition? Um, well, I should first say that also, you know, Jessica is not only the director, but also cinematographer, producer, and editor of this whole project. And I think um, a lot of the expanse of all of this came from really Jessica's um, like really wide span of inspiration and all the places she wanted to go to. It was really exciting to work on such an ambitious project. And I have been working in China on and off since 2004. And through that, working mostly with artists, we have this great network of artist residencies and museums and artist-run spaces across the whole country and basically every province. So the exciting thing when we were just starting was Jessica would be like, oh, I'm really interested in filming this thing. And I was like, oh, well, I think there's one of those uh, in the city where there's this other museum and maybe we know some artists and done a project here. And it really happened really organically. And I think one of the beautiful things in going about this was just for as much as every location is so different, each place we got to through a really special connection, there was a person we knew or someone else we knew who was either an artist or a relative or a friend who was able to help make it happen. And I think that the scale of all of it is only possible through these you know, existing human connections. We worked with a whole network of really great fixers and field producers in China who either had pre-existing connections with these places or we would give them a sense of the types of places that we wanted to film in and they would give us different options about what was possible or not. So a lot of it too was, you know, each each location really had a different story, but we also had a great network of, of local field producers and fixers. In relation to the scale question that you were asking, I think sometimes it is hard to even to like visualize the scale of how big things are. So we shot in the, the Chengdu Mall, the, um, what is that called again? The Chengdu Mall? Oh, the Roma, yeah, it's the, it's the largest contiguous building in, on the planet, I think. It's, it's really hard yeah. to fathom. Like by square footage, it's the largest building in the world. But um, it used to be the Pentagon. I know that that, that used to be the biggest building by square space. What uh, you know was okay. square footage was the Pentagon. So of course somebody had to build a bit. Yeah, yeah. And of course it's a mall. <laughs> yeah. And I was trying to shoot that, but I, you know, sometimes the scale doesn't quite translate because it's, it's so big that you can't even really tell how big it is. If that makes sense. Yeah. So I think I was trying to play a lot with, senses of scale with like um the macro and the micro yes too. so there are times where there's like an extreme close-up of somebody's face while they're eating like a very rich dessert or there's times where you have like a really wide drone shot with thousands and thousands of people packed into one space um so i was trying to play with yeah with the visual scale in different ways right well what i was struck by is so much of the activity so much of the things that we see in the film are things that we would see in America, we would see in an industrial country. It's just the scale. And that's the thing that is, you know, illuminating and as well as on a, a tad bit frightening, given as you were describing at the very beginning of our conversation about initially you were looking at the impact, environmental impact, and these kinds of things. And we're seeing in the film and 
I, as I'm watching, I couldn't help but think, okay, as China's need for material and food and whatever else comes along with building a, a society of that size, comes competition for what appears to me from as a non-scientist to a diminishing amount of resources around the world. How do we navigate this and how do we get through it without violence, state-sponsored violence in order to secure what we need in order to survive? So that's a question that sort of for me is lurking and I cannot blame the Chinese. I'm not blaming China for wanting to live a, a, a quality of life that they have seen for hundreds of years in the West. I don't, I don't, I, I can't argue with that, but it is something, it's a reality that we have got to deal with. And just real quick before you answer, but we see this arc in the entire film, but go but, but that question, I've kind of esoteric existential question about how do we meet the expectations of the world, given the scale and size of what's happening in China? I think that's one of the underlying questions of the film. Yeah. And for me, it's not a question about China, but it's just a question about, um, modern capitalism yes. and our need to consume more and more yeah. at a quicker and quicker pace. And like you said, it's it's not really about China. It's about it's about the whole world, the whole yeah. global system of capital. Um, and we've reached a point where I think most people would agree that what we're doing is not sustainable for the planet. And I think it all stems from this sort of endless pursuit of growth. And I guess my question is growth to what end? Yeah. Of course, I think everyone should be able to have a material, a materially comfortable life. And in many ways, China succeeded in lifting millions of people out of poverty. But poverty alleviation is not necessarily what what we're talking about. What we're talking about is this kind of unchecked growth, which is related to just constantly wanting the newest fast fashion, tons of disposable goods. It's just the pace at which we're living our life and demand for convenience that's not sustainable. Kira, anything to add to that? I mean, in terms of what you saw, just... Exactly. I mean, exactly what Jessica was saying. I think also just from, you know, the folks we know that it's a very similar sentiment is this understanding that this isn't sustainable, but it's also so convenient and it's kind of how the world's been set up and it's very difficult to opt out. And I think um, Jessica portrays that so amazingly in the film is no matter what amount of resources you're starting with, everyone's sort of striving, not necessarily because they want the stuff, because it's just what they're really, the world's designed for us to all be doing this. Yeah. And I think it's, it's not things that we can solve on an individual level, but all of us can really reflect on how collectively this is something we all are going to have to deal with. Right. I think until we redefine wealth as something other than consumption, we have to redefine what it means to be wealthy. And until we do that, until we give up the religion of capitalism, you know, the false prophecy of capitalism or a form of economic development that mirrors, we can call it something else, I guess, but it, right now it's capitalism. And right now, the thing that I see, and it's, I can't, again, it's, I'm blaming China, but Indonesia, India, you know, all these different countries who are literally, we are running towards a cliff now. We're not, we're not, we're not walking, we're not trotting. And I fear that we're going to get to a point when that one of these days that supply chain is going to break down and it's going to set off a chain reaction around the world that we're going to have a very, very difficult time uh, dealing with. 
And I, I don't, and I just saw a documentary about the oceans and just absolutely scared me to death. Once again, another way of conveying this information to people so that hopefully they get, begin to understand it in ways that we can affect the politics of our lives. I, I just, you did such a great job and it's sort of such a Debbie Downer here at the end, but I, I just, it, it's in the film. And I, I, I think. Yeah. I was going to say, I think that um, it can seem pretty bleak the message of the film, but I also hoped that people would take away a sense of interconnectivity in terms of like the flow of the supply chain, in terms of um, interdependence and also finding like uniqueness and individuality in the people who are part of the supply chain, even though it seems like we're racing towards this thing that we can't stop, this endless machine, there's still there's still a lot of humanity found inside of it. And also part of why I ended the film the way I did was because um, I found it slightly hopeful where it's this scene where these people are swimming in a river in a, in a small town outside of a big city. And it's one of the only scenes I think that is actually in some sort of natural body of water rather than an artificial body of water. And the people in the scene are also, it's one of the only times we see young people and old people, like children and older people. And these are the people who are outside of the age range of being in the workforce. So I was looking at like retirees and kids who are kind of finding a way to still enjoy nature. And um, that's part of why I put that in there. Well, and in a way visually, reflects the beginning and opening of the film with your with your grandfather's poem. And also one last thing, and I, I, to amend my remarks, as they would say in, in Congress, and that is, of, and there are many other cultures in the world that have for hundreds, if not thousands of years, lived in a culture that did not value consumption as wealth. And China is among those who for, again, thousands of years lived in a society where it was a completely different mindset than we in the West have. So if there is a kind of a way to turn this ship around, it would be, it would be nice to see it coming from cultures who understand that there is a way to live a fulfilled life without more stuff. Totally. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for the film Ascension. As Again, it opens here in Los Angeles, October 8th at the Lemley Monica, as well as the Lemley Playhouse. Again, the film is called Ascension, and we've been talking with the director, Jessica Kingdon, as well as the producer, Kira Simon-Kennedy. To both of you, thank you so much for the conversation. Thank you so much for Ascension. Thank you so much. Thank you. Great. Really fun. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. 